here to sugarcoat I'm sorry about you Too much shelter causes pain Let's just be real honest Things are gonna knock you down Avoidance will not help you out Let's talk it through you, me and you Let's keep it real honest Hi, and welcome to the Real Honest Podcast. I haven't done an intro in a while because I honestly just kind of assumed that nobody knew was ever going to find and listen to this. It was just going to be my like handful of friends and my mom listening every week. So um, to the new people that are joining us, welcome. I am Samantha. I'm 30. I'm single. I'm a Christian. And my highest value is authenticity. So I started this podcast to give people space to talk about life and ask the deep questions that people are not asking. Um, I am not an authority in being single or 30 or life or God or anything. So I'm not here to necessarily teach anything. I'm not a person that cares to tell people what to do or try to sway any opinions. Um, I just like to provide safe places for people to ask questions. So thank you so much for listening. Happy to have you on board. I release a new episode every Wednesday at 6 a.m. Central Time. Let's dive in. This week, I am celebrating getting into seminary. So I wanted to just kind of share the story with you guys of that journey and give you a practical example of an answered prayer. So for my listeners who are not Christians, I try to always give like a way to apply a faith-based thing like in the Christian community and also how I think it could apply to people that don't believe um, because I want to be accessible. But this story is like specifically about answered prayer. So if you don't believe in that and you don't care, I won't be offended if you turn this off right now. So to start the story, I want to be clear that I never wanted to go to seminary. I never wanted to go back to school. I'm pretty sure anyone that has ever known me can tell you how much I hate school and have zero desire to ever do it again. I'm pretty sure when I got my bachelor's degree in film, by the way, I was screaming from the rooftops how I would never, ever, 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 ever go back to school, but I am also a person who tries to never say never because usually I was going to say when you, but let me just use me when I usually, when I say never, God is like, ha ha ha. So I applied to seminary on a whim. Truly. I like, this was back in July. I was sitting and watching church one day. Lisa Harper was our guest preacher that week. And I just love her. I love her because she is in her fifties and she is single. She has adopted a child and she is really the only speaker. I'm not sure if she's considered a pastor. I don't know if she's ordained, but speaker, pastor, leader, teacher, she's the only one I know of in the space that is a single female. And I really, really admire that. And I really appreciate that. She's very funny. She tells a lot of jokes about, you know, like not being single by choice. Like it just hasn't happened for her. She just hasn't met the one, but she, she's still open to getting married in her life. And she's also thriving as a single person and is still a mom and still has an amazing career. And I just wish that we had more examples in the space of those people. But so while she was preaching, I was just looking at how tattered her Bible is. Like it's just falling apart. And I was like, what a 
well-used Bible. Like I was so in awe of how much time she has clearly poured in to that Bible because I probably have 12 Bibles on my shelf that are all in pristine condition. I mean, half of them are still in the boxes that they came in because I don't open them ever. And I just like have a different Bible in a bunch of different translations. And like, there's a life application one and like all of like child's storybook Bible and all of these different Bibles because I have spent more time in the preparation of like making sure I have highlighters and journals and this Bible study book and that Bible study book. And I've put more time into gathering the right materials to study with than I have spent time actually studying. I also really struggle to spend time studying the Bible because I hate history. History has always been my least favorite subject in school. I find it incredibly boring and I find the Bible incredibly boring. <laughs> like I'm just being honest here. I find it really hard to read. I have read the Bible cover to cover twice in my life. Um, I have used on the the version app those Bible in a year plans and I have not attempted to do that again because I didn't retain anything. Like I feel like those reading plans, they're really good for setting a habit. Um, you know, to have the specific, like you have to read this many chapters a day to get through the whole Bible in a year. But I got to a point where I just was reading it every day just to read it. It was like checking something off a list and I wasn't retaining it. I wasn't engaging with it. I wasn't praying and I wasn't really learning anything because I would read it so fast just to be done for the day. And especially if you try to read the Bible cover to cover, you know, it's like as soon as you get to Leviticus and Numbers, (laughs) you're just like... (laughs) falling asleep, your eyes are glazing over. It's it's like just honestly pointless to even try. And then you're it's not motivating you to like keep going once you kind of get to that area. And I do want to mention that I've heard a lot of people say like sometimes you have to just have the habit and look at it as a checking off a list thing to do it. Um and I do think there's some truth to that. Like I, I definitely think there's some truth to, I've heard of people like in order to start a fitness habit, for example, you know, they'll start with baby steps where they'll say like, um, instead of working out, my goal is to lay out my fitness clothes every night so that when I wake up in the morning, I see my yoga pants and my tennis shoes or whatever else. And see, hopefully that motivates me to put it on and go to the gym And sometimes your goal is just having the clothes there to look at. And then you move to, okay, now I've been looking at the clothes every day for a month. Now my goal is going to be to put it on, (laughs) you know, and then you put it on and then, you know, you take the baby steps and hopefully you end up going to the gym having started with your baby steps. So that's kind of the same concept as like the idea could be that you're using this Bible in a year plan just to get in the habit of opening your Bible or your Bible app every single day and kind of seeing how long it takes you. Um, I think when I did those Bible in a year plans, I would really only spend like 30 minutes a day tops. Uh, Sometimes I would miss a few days. So then on Saturday or Sunday, I would sit for a couple hours and catch up for the week. 
that made it easier to complete because if I was ever behind, I would have to catch up by the end of the week or I just could never catch up because I had tried to do the Bible in a year plan before I did it twice. I had tried it like three or four times and just got so behind that I couldn't continue. But that's another thing that's just like my perfectionist brain like had to do the Bible in a year plan in 365 days. When you can start a Bible in a year plan and take five or six years to finish it, it's So not a big deal. Nobody cares. Nobody knows. So that's one of those things where I do think it's a good idea. It's it's a good tool to start the habit. And then, you know, where you set aside a time and a place, it can be a, a certain corner of your house or whatever that you go to, to engage with the material and to pray and to be with God. Like, I think that's a really good idea. I think it requires a lot of intentionality and it requires some self-reflection because I think probably my first month doing it, I was really like praying and highlighting and journaling. And then I stopped doing all that because I got tired and I got busy. And then I was like, let me just get this reading done. And then it became a habit of just like getting the reading to like check it off in my app every day. So I think that if you feel yourself doing that, then just like take a break from it. It's totally okay. And you're going to be fine. But back to, I am watching the sermon and Lisa Harper's preaching. And I just like, I'm like, I really wish that I wanted to read the Bible as badly as she seems to. And, you know, I say seems to, cause I don't, I don't know her. I don't, I don't pretend to know anybody that I've never met. So that's something that I started praying for, that I've been praying for for months now, where I'm like, you know, God, give me a hunger for your word. Like I have met a few people over the years through different churches and different Bible studies who just like really have this hunger to read the word of God. And they get so excited every time there's like a new revelation. And I'm just like, I wish that I had that because I, you know, we just had a leader weekend at Elevation and just looking around the room, like my best friend is next to me sobbing. Like she's so overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit. And this happens to her like every time she worships. And I'm so jealous of it because I'm sitting here like, this is nice. Like I I like it. I very, I enjoy Elevation worship is amazing. I love the music, but it very, very rarely brings me to tears. And I just always kind of feel like I'm not doing something right, or I'm not doing something enough, or I don't love God enough, or I'm not close enough to God because other people are having these experiences that I'm not having. And so I started praying because I wanted to have one of those experiences. And I was telling God, like, I, you know, I bought all these Bibles. (laughs) I want to read them. I do. Like, I want to use them. I want to learn from them. I want to be a person that meditates on the word and really knows and understands the word. And as I was praying that the first time, right after Lisa Harper finished preaching, I was like, maybe I should apply to seminary. (laughs) This was like a random thought that like flew through my head. And I decided that that thought must have been from Jesus because it sure as hell was not from me. (laughs) Like I don't want to go to seminary. I find the idea of seminary to be daunting. I also 
have been of the opinion that you go to seminary to become a pastor. And I most definitely do not want to be a pastor. Like I, my desire to be a pastor is like negative a (laughs) hundred. Like, no, thank you. That is not for me. I don't want it. One of my best friends she lives in Portugal. She always tells me, she's like, oh, Samantha, you should be a pastor. You'd be so good at it. And I'm like, please stop saying that. My mom has said it a few times. I'm like, guys, please don't speak this into existence. Like, please pray against that. I don't want that. I do not want to be a pastor. I really, really don't. Um, so I was kind of just like, but I want to be obedient. And I can't remember if I have told this story before on the podcast, so if I have, sorry. But around this time last year, I really, really, really wanted to move to Charlotte and work at Elevation, and I was like very overwhelmingly feeling like I had to. Like every Sunday that I watched, every time I got an email from a volunteer and was taking care of something, I was like, I have to be on staff. Like I just like really was overwhelmed with like the need to like move and go to Elevation in person. So I, um, I applied, I had some interviews, had some conversations, um, and ultimately did not happen. And just through the conversations that I had, like the, the need to go was lifted. Like I just was freed from that desire and that need to go there and before I applied, I was really anxious about it because I had ju- I just bought this house. You know, like I know everyone and their mother knows how much I hate St. Louis and this is just not the city that I want to be in. Um, and I would love to leave, but I also am like, I just bought this house and I love my house and I work from home and I church from home. And so I don't really care that I live in a city that I don't like because I'm not out in my city. Like I'm in my house that I do love and I'm in a very affordable city, which is nice. And so I just was kind of the the logistics of like moving right now just wasn't really vibing with me and I didn't want to do it. And then I just like was praying one day and I felt like God said to me, I just asked you to apply. I didn't ask you to move. I didn't ask you to sell your house. I just asked you to apply. That was it. And so, and literally as soon as I applied, like the need and the desire to make the move was gone immediately. So kind of throughout the conversations that I had, you know, was decided like this really isn't the time. Like maybe this is something I want in the future, but I did get some more information. Like I, um, I did some investigation into like what it would take, um, to make the move. And I'm not ready to do that right now. And I think a lot of times we make assumptions of what God wants, or what we think we're supposed to do when it really was that simple. Like he just asked me to apply and then I applied and then you move on. So I was really hoping that seminary was going to be the same thing. And I literally was praying about it and I was like, you know, God, I feel like you want me to apply. So I'm going to apply and let's just end it there. (laughs) You know, let me just apply and then we can forget this ever happened. We'll laugh about it later. So I'm on the website and I'm like, what would I even apply for? <laughs> you know, cause like, I don't want to be a pastor. So I'm researching all the different programs and they have, um, a degree that is for lay leaders that want to deepen their biblical knowledge. And it's like specifically for leaders in the church, like myself who volunteer and lead people, but are not interested in being on staff or being a pastor. Like they're not trying to do this as a career, but they're just looking to be, better equipped with biblical knowledge and stuff like that. And so I was talking to 
my therapist about it. And my therapist went to the seminary that I was applying to. And so she was like, do you really need to do a whole degree for that? I mean, you know, I went to seminary and it is a lot. So I just, you know, why don't you just take a couple of classes? Um, and I think that was a really, I, it was a really good idea. Like, obviously she's been my therapist for seven years now. Like she knows me very well. And I was very bothered by her saying this. Like I just immediately felt like, how dare you tell me to take a couple classes? Like what you think I can't do it? You think I would fail at seminary? Like, do you think I've, I've always, even though I hate school, I've always been good at it. Like I was a good student. I just didn't enjoy it. Um, and I was very like, and it kind of like lit a fire under me to apply. I was like, so bothered. I was like, no, I'm not going to take a couple of classes. I'm going to get a degree. (laughs) And the application was like very easy. I just had to write an essay and send my transcripts over and they need three recommendations. And one of the recommendations has to be from a pastor. So for those of you who don't know, I go to Elevation Church, which is based in Charlotte. It's a mega church. It's a, the online campus is worldwide and they have, there's like 20, I think, physical campuses. It's a very big church. So I was like, okay, the likelihood that I'm going to get a response from a pastor at Elevation Church is not high. <laughs> um, but I know a local pastor that I really like a lot. My dad is friends with him. So I asked my dad to get me this pastor's contact info. Um, and I just texted him and was like, hey, um, I had this random thought. I think I'm going to apply to seminary. Like, I need a recommendation from a pastor. Like, could you help me with that? What do you think? And he was like, absolutely. I think this is great. Like, I I totally think you should do that. And I even, I shared with him, like, I don't want to be a pastor. Like, I really just, I want to learn Uh, this is something that I'm interested in. I feel like God wants me to do it. I'm just trying to be obedient here. And he was like, so on board, wrote me my recommendation immediately. This was on the 4th of July. (laughs) Like, I don't, I I just had time, I think, because I remember applying on the 4th of July because, so basically when filling out the application, I submit names to the seminary of the people that are going to do my recommendations. And then the seminary reaches out to them. And so like he did it right away. And then I started getting these automated emails from the seminary being like, hi, thanks for starting your application. We still need the following things. And it was like listing off the recommendations. And I was like, why did I do this on a holiday? Like this is going to be buried in everybody's email. And so I started following up with the staff members at Elevation that I had asked because you're um, your recommendations are supposed, there's one has to be a pastor and the others are supposed to be like spiritual mentors. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like I know like 12 staff members at Elevation and I only need three recommendations total. So like I only have to get two of them to do it. Not a big deal. Um, but they're all just like so inundated in email and like buried with stuff. And just like it, I was not getting the other two, I was getting people to agree to do it and then I would send it to them and then they wouldn't do it. And then it was, I got tired of following up with people. So I was telling God, I was like, look, I don't even want to do this. So if you want me to go to seminary, I need you to just make it happen. Like just have these people wake up tomorrow and fill out my recommendation and get me accepted or I'm not going to go. Like I, if my application never gets completed, (laughs) I don't care because I don't want to go. Um, and I ended up like asking the admissions guy, I was like, what even is the deadline for this? Um, cause you can apply like 
five years in advance. Like when you apply it, ask like, when do you want to start? And my options were like spring of 2024 through like fall of 2028 or nine or something. And I was like, that's interesting. But I'm like, you know, I'm like, since I have this huge window of when I want to start, like what's the deadline? And he said, the deadline is August 23rd. And I think it was like August 15th when I asked him this question. So I was like, okay, I'm going to follow up with these people one more time. And if they don't get it in by August 23rd, they don't get it in by August 23rd. And I don't go to seminary, whatever. So I follow up with them. I get a couple of responses. Somebody was like, oh my gosh, I see it in my inbox. I'm going to flag it and do it first thing in the morning. It still didn't get done, whatever. August 23rd comes and goes. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't have to go to seminary. <laughs> Um, and I was telling my e-group about this and all the girls every week were praying and they were like, they're like, I'll write a recommendation. Like, can I write one? And I was like, no, it has to be like somebody on staff. Like I can't give them like a Gmail. And it just like, everybody was trying so hard to help of like, I'll write the recommendation. I'll follow up for you. You need to follow up every day until they do it. And I'm just like, y'all are more invested in me getting in than I am. Like you don't understand how badly I don't want to (laughs) go. I am over here hoping that my application does not get completed or that I get rejected because <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to go. So August 23rd comes and goes. And then like a couple weeks go by and then I start getting the automated emails again that are like, hi, thanks for starting your application. We're still missing the following things. And at this point, it's listing off like eight people are like in queue that they have requested recommendations from, but I only need two of them to do it. So the admissions guy calls me and he's like, Hey, so since you put on your application that you want to start fall of 2024, you actually have until next August to get these recommendations in. If that's when you want to start, you can always, if you get them sooner, you can start this spring. If they, you get them later, you can push it till next spring or like next fall, you know, this giant window. And I am like, why are you making it so easy to get in? <laughs> like, I want you to just say, hey, you didn't get your stuff done. You can't come. And I would be like, oh, too bad. But he actually was so, so nice. And he explained to me, like, we're not asking anyone to write an essay. Like, this is a very quick, they just need to click a link in the email, answer a few questions. It should take 10 to 15 minutes tops. Like, this is not a huge undertaking. And I'm like, okay, like, I'll follow up with them again. The next day, I get an email from the online campus pastor at Elevation. And she tells me, like, oh my gosh, I am so, so sorry. I somehow missed this. I see it. Like, I am more than happy to do this for you. I got this email from you a couple months ago, so I'm assuming it's too late now. But, like, I'm so proud of you for applying. And if there's anything I can do, please let me know. And I just responded to her and was like, actually, you've got time. Like, I would really appreciate it. Um, And then the seminary reached out and they were like, hey, um, preview day is next week. We'd love for you to come to preview day and tour the campus and meet some professors and sit in on a class. And I was like, whatever, like I'll just go to preview day and just see. So preview day was on a Wednesday. I had this conversation with the online campus pastor the previous Wednesday. So I had a week until preview day. And then Thursday and Friday, all my recommendations rolled in, like all of the people that I had asked. I get admitted to seminary the next day. And then 
so now it's Monday of the next week and I get like more recommendations come in and it ends up like everybody ends up doing my recommendations. Um, some of them came in after I was already accepted, but I was like, oh, this is still cool. Like everybody did it. And then I woke up like the morning of preview day and I was praying to God about it where I was like, you know, I just want to leave preview day with a strong feeling either way. Like when I come home, I want to know for a fact I'm going to go or for a fact I'm not going to go. And I have this problem where I assume that God wants the opposite of me because in my life, like things that I work hard for tend to not go my way. For example, like any relationships where I like thought I was going to get married and thought the guy was the one, those have ended like really tragically. Um, There was a summer program at Stanford that I really, really wanted to go. My sisters both went to this program and um, one of them went to Stanford, the other went to Northwestern and they both had a great time. And I'm obsessed with California, as you most of you know. So I wrote all over my application, like, please send me to Stanford. Like, I really want to go. And the the summer program was a nightmare for me. Like, I had a terrible time and absolutely hated it. I was really, really excited about going away to college. And then I had a terrible time in college. Like, undergrad was just a hot mess, the majority of it. I was, like, very depressed and it was awful. So, and then there are things in my life that it's, like, if I kind of shrug and I'm like, "Eh, I don't really want to do that, but I don't care. Like those are the things that typically turn out well. So I was really feeling like, I was like, I bet you you're telling me to go to seminary and I'm going to hate it, but it's going to end up being fine because it's something that like, I'm not working too hard to do. And whenever there's something that I'm like, I want this, I want this, I want this, like, please give it to me. Then it's like, I get it. And then it's a disaster. And it turns out that like, I didn't really know what I want or whatever it is. So that's one of the things that I've been working on in therapy over the years is like trying to get out of that pattern of believing that God wants the opposite of me because that's not true. And just because that has been the case for multiple situations in my life does not make it a fact and does not mean that it's always going to be that way. Um, So anyways... I go to preview day and I first am like having breakfast and meeting the admissions team. And like, there were only five of us that attended this preview day. The other four were middle-aged men that were all married and two of them had their wives there with them. And the seminary has all of these really awesome accommodations for married people. If your spouse decides to go to seminary at the same time as you, your spouse can get like 70% off their tuition. They offer childcare, um, like just all of this really awesome assistance for married people with families. And I'm sitting there like, okay, but I'm single. And there was a girl in admissions who came and sat next to me and she was like, I'm single. She's like, I moved here to go to the seminary. And like, she had some tattoos. We were looking at those. She was asking what I do for fun. And I was asking what she does for fun. And she's like, go out for drinks with my friends. And I was very excited. Like the first person that sat down with me and I had a conversation about was like very similar to me. Because really and truly, I was expecting seminary to be full of old white men that want to be pastors. (laughs) And I was like, I don't want to spend the next two years or however long it takes me to get through this program with like, old white men wanting to be pastors because I'm like, that's not what I'm wanting to be. Also, like, because I live in Missouri, like, 
it's a very conservative state, which is just like really not for me. So I was expecting the theology to lean so deeply conservative that that was going to make me like angry, uncomfortable. And so I really like enjoyed the class that I sat in. Like it was co-taught and the two professors, like one of them talked to me before the class, the other of them talked to me after the class. And I just was very interested in the class itself and the material. And it was funny because the one that talked to me after class was like, you were like very feverishly taking notes. And I felt like I had to come over and be like, you know that you are not taking the exam, right? Like you're just sitting in on this class for just today. And I was like, yeah, I just thought it was fascinating. Like I just, everything that you guys were saying, I was so interested in, like, I can't wait to actually take this class and learn from you. Cause I really thought it was fascinating. And so that was another thing that was cool to me is cause I remember like all through high school and all through undergrad, like I would just sit in class and be bored and like, I can learn the material and I can take a test and I can write an essay and it is what it is. But this was literally the first class I've ever sat in where I actually like wanted to know the stuff that the teacher was talking about. Um, and we, they had like a, Q&A portion where a group of the professors came to meet with the five of us that were there for preview day. And, um, you know, one of them had mentioned what is not transformed is transferred. And that was so interesting to me because the previous Sunday, um, Mike Todd was the guest preacher at Elevation and he had mentioned that too, the idea of what is not transformed is transferred. And the idea of that, you know, is that kind of like generational curses and like if there is an issue with your personality or your belief or the way that you do something if you don't transform that you're going to transfer it so it's kind of like if there is something unresolved in you that you have not worked on so like for me it could be anxiety if I was not going to therapy and learning how to cope with my own anxiety. If I were to get married and have a child without doing that, I would probably end up with a very anxious child. Like I would just transfer my anxiety to my kid because I didn't learn how to deal with it myself. Um, And everybody like that was mentioned by a couple of the professors. It was mentioned by a couple people on the admission staff where they're like, you know, this is really a place where we want to make sure that we are transforming people. And, you know, just the idea of like hurt people hurt people. And they're like, is you guys coming here as church leaders? Like you're going to deal with a lot of people. And we want to make sure that you are transforming your own pain so that you don't transfer it onto someone else. Um, and I, I love hearing things multiple times like that. I think that's always a confirmation from God and it happens pretty rarely, at least to me. So that was cool. I liked, um, I liked the repetition of that. Then we got to meet with some current students and I asked all of them, like, what was the thing that sold you about coming here? Like, why did you pick this seminary over another seminary? And every single current student that I asked, they said it was the people. They said the people that they know who have graduated from this seminary have been transformed in the best ways. Whereas people they know that have graduated from other seminaries, like still got the knowledge and like really learned, but are like less transformed, like not in the way that they're really looking for. 
Um, and I also, you know, of course everybody was like, why did you apply to seminary? Like, what do you want to do with this? And I was like, you know, I don't really know. Like, I don't want to be a pastor. I kind of just want to learn. And I really like that the program that I applied to has a lot of overlapping classes with the counseling program. So I'll be learning a lot about, um, like how to talk to people of, varying backgrounds, which I think is really important, especially at a church, the size of elevation. Like there are people in all parts of the world that I volunteer with and people from all of different backgrounds of like different religious backgrounds, different political affiliations, like just all of these things where we're all coming from a different lens. And I feel like personally, I, I lack empathy a lot Um, because I am, I am a perfectionist. I am a very high performer. I type very fast. I write very fast. I talk very fast. I am like a go-getter and a doer and I am a project manager. That's what I do for a living. So I have a very hard time and I have very little patience for people when I have to repeat things to them or walk them through things. I'm very like, why don't you get this? Are you stupid? Like, of course, I never say that to anyone, but in my mind, that's what I'm saying. Cause I'm like, this is, I laid it out for you in the email. Like, why are you asking me questions that I already answered in the email? Um, and I really lack empathy. So that's what I was sharing with the people at the seminary is like, I partially like, I like that my program overlaps with these counseling classes so that I can be more empathetic because I don't like getting angry with people because they're not like me and because they don't do something the way that I would do it that I think is super efficient. But um, I want to make sure that I become a person that has more empathy and that can step back and look at something from a different lens. And people were really receptive to that. Like I felt like when I said that to the current students and the professors and the admissions team, everybody was like, that's awesome. And I think you can get that here. Like I was expecting at least one person to be like, well, if you don't want to be a pastor, what are you doing here? You don't need to be here. And I even, I mentioned that to one of the current students because I, there is somebody that I have mentioned it to who that was their reaction. They said like, well, if you don't want a pastor, don't go to seminary. That's stupid. And I said this to a girl that was a current student and she's like, there are a lot of reasons to go to seminary and being a pastor is one of them, but it's just one of them. And she said, there's also a lot of reasons to get a master's degree and to advance in your career is one of them, but that's just not one of them. So she's like, there are people in the world who think that the only reason that matters to pay money to get a master's degree is if it's going to advance you in your career. And that's fine for those people. For other people, they could get a master's degree. Like learning something is reason enough. Growing as a person is reason enough. And I think for me, also on my list of reasons is that because I work from home and I church from home, like I really don't have any friends in the St. Louis area. I don't leave my house and I am just very like in the bubble of my house. I'm not getting out. I'm not meeting people. I'm not doing things. And I think that going back to school would help me with that because if I'm, you know, going to campus in person multiple days a week, I'll be like meeting the other people in my classes, meeting the other professors. And just all of that is something that I would like to do to help me embrace the city that I live in and like really get out and explore it and do something in it. I also just thought it was interesting that of the four other people besides myself who attended this preview day, I was the only one that had already been admitted. Like the rest of them were still 
um, thinking about applying or like waiting on their results. Um, And so that just was cool because there were a lot of extra things where they were like, you know, here's the student center where we do a bunch of events. We'll have like a Halloween party and a Christmas party. And they were like, Samantha, since you're already admitted, you can come. Like you can come to any of our events. Feel free to come hang out in the library, like anywhere on campus. Like this is your school now as an admitted student. They're like, if you end up not starting until 2027 you can still come to the library and all of the events until you start like feel free um and it just felt very like a like an environment that made me happy that I was comfortable in and just kind of like all of the preconceptions that were negative that I had about seminary and that I had about going back to school like all just kind of left and I did drive home like very excited about getting a master's degree, about going to seminary. Like I just, I I felt like this is a good decision. This is what I want. And that was really cool to me because I was, I was expecting that I basically, I was expecting to either feel God tell me like, all right, thanks for humoring me and going through the motions and applying and getting accepted. It's now your choice. You don't have to go. And I was going to be cool. I'm not going to go. <laughs> um, or I was expecting God to say, like, I know that you hate this, but this is what I want you to do. Um, I was not expecting us to be on the same page and have like aligned desires of like, yes, this is what I want to spend the next few years of my life doing and like yes this is what I want to spend my money on and that feels really really cool to me and really really different like that's an experience that I haven't I haven't gotten to have so um to anyone out there that like is feeling like your prayers don't get answered just know that like I see you and I hear you and I understand that struggle and this kind of thing does not happen to me all the time it does not happen to me on a regular basis and I'm still like I'm still very afraid to go to seminary (laughs) like I'm not expecting it to be easy um at all but I like that the and I wouldn't even say that the getting in process was easy because I was very stressed out and overwhelmed with something as simple as like following up with someone to get a recommendation. Like my whole job is to follow up with people. Um, but I just really didn't want to do it for this. So I so I that's why I wanted to share this today was to give you guys a tangible example of what an answered prayer can look like. And also keep in mind that like I had all of these different ideas of what I thought the answer was going to be or what I thought the answer was going to look like and it ended up being completely different and I think that is the number one thing at least for me that gets in the way of me receiving an answer or seeing an answer is that I have an idea of what I want the answer to be or what I don't want the answer to be and what I think it's going to look like either way and then I'm so focused on waiting it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy where I'm so focused on like waiting for God to say you have to do this now um that if God says you can do that but it's okay with me if you don't um you know I'm very like taken aback by that and I'm like is this your decision is this my decision like I can't tell what's happening and I think the whole idea is to marry your desires with God like I think the point of the relationship with Jesus is that you become so in tune with the desires of the Holy Spirit that they become 
your desires. And I think that that is really hard to do because it looks different for everyone. So even like, you know, I can sit here and share this example with you and feel really good about myself that like, yay, I taught somebody today, like how to pray and how to look for an answer, but it, it may never show up for you this way. Um, so I think also keep that in mind. I didn't really think about a good way to end this, but (laughs) the end, that's the story moving into hard conversation of the week. Um, okay. I didn't have a hard conversation this week, so I'm going to use somebody else's. So I have this friend who does not like hosting and she has a friend who wants to come visit her all the time. They live in different States and okay, let me come up with some names to make this easier. Um, I'm going to call them Carrie and Shannon. So Carrie does not like hosting and Shannon really wants to visit Carrie all the time. And when Shannon goes to visit Carrie, Shannon will not be hungry. And Carrie's like, okay, well I'm hungry. Like I'm going to get dinner now. And so she'll get the dinner and she'll, she'll cook dinner and she'll cook it for one because Shannon's like, I don't want that. And I'm not hungry. Like whatever, I'm going to just go to bed. And then a couple hours later, like now Carrie's getting ready for bed and Shannon's like, I'm starving. I need to eat right now. Like let's go somewhere. Let's door dash something. And Carrie's like, I ate two hours ago. I put my PJs on like, you know, but she's not comfortable with Shannon driving her car somewhere and she doesn't want to put clothes back on to drive Shannon somewhere. And this kind of stuff just happens constantly to the point where Carrie is anxious. Like anytime Shannon visits her, Carrie is anxious the whole time. She's anxious before she gets there. She's anxious while she's there. She can't wait for her to leave. And she just really doesn't want her around. Shannon has asked again, like if she can visit Carrie, but she didn't specifically say she wants to visit Carrie. Her text message said, I need to come visit. And so Carrie is freaking out. Like, what do I, how do I answer this? Like, what do I say? Like, I don't really care if she would come here and stay in a hotel. Like, I don't mind getting a meal with her or hanging out with her for a day. Like, I just don't want her to stay with me. Like, I don't want to have to get her from the airport and take her to the airport. I don't want to have to feel responsible for all of her meals, either making them and purchasing them for her or whatever. And I was like, Carrie, all Shannon said was, I need to come visit. So my response to that would be visit me, question mark, visit the city that I live in, question mark. You know, like, what does, what does that mean? You're, you're giving, you're reading information into the situation that has not been given to you. And so I think you first clarify the ask and you can be honest with her. You know, if she says, I need to come visit you, then you can say, you know, I'm really not in a place to have house guests right now. But I'm happy to recommend some hotels in the area and you can plan a trip and send me the dates and I'll be more than happy to make time to get dinner or go for a walk in the park or see a museum together, you know, whatever it is while you're in town Um, and just leave it at that. You know, like you are not required to host her. And, you know, Carrie did have like a very, (laughs) a very hard time with this. And I, I think she did eventually give that response of just like, you know, visit me, visit the city, like clarify. Um, and then Shannon responded just with the name of the city. And so it was another thing where Carrie was like, okay, she's still not giving me information. Like she's, she didn't say like, come stay with me. And she didn't say visit me. She said, visit the city, which probably like, you know, the assumption is that she wants to come stay with me because she's done that before. Um, and I was like, again, 
you're reading too much into this because she hasn't given you the information that you need to make a decision. She hasn't asked you a question. So there's no decision for you to make here. You know, like, honestly, to me, that's the end of the conversation. Like she said, I need to come visit. You said me, the city. She said the city. Okay. Period. The end. (laughs) You want to visit a city, visit a city. Like you have a job, you have money. You can drive there. You can fly there, take the train. I don't know if the train goes there, but Um, you know, and it's, it's that kind of thing where I told Carrie, I was like the, you are so stressed from just getting a message from this person and you don't need to be stressed because she is not your responsibility. And when she is ready to come out and ask you a question and say like, hello, I would like to come visit your city and stay with you in your house this day to this date. That is a question. And when you receive that question, you can answer it honestly of I'm out of town those dates or I'm in town those dates, but no, you can't stay with me. Get a hotel, motel, Airbnb, whatever, you know? But I think a lot of us do this a lot where we don't want to be bad friends and we don't want to hurt people's feelings. And for the people pleasers, it's like, You know, Carrie would rather be miserable for however many days that Shannon is visiting her than risk Shannon disliking her for not letting her stay. And at the end of the day, it's like if somebody is mad at you because you were honest with them, is their anger really that bad? I mean, like if this girl doesn't like you because you said, I don't want you to stay with me, you know, like one of my very best friends. I admire this girl so much because she is a homebody and she loves her space and she doesn't like people in her space. And she has flat out said to me, like, if you are ever in my city, let me know. Love you. Love to see you. Happy to share a meal. You cannot stay at my apartment. I do not like people in my space. She doesn't let her own mother stay with her when she's in town. And I don't think that's rude. I respect that so much because she values her space and she's upfront about it and she's honest about it. And it's not rude. It's just true. So it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, you could be rude about it. You could say like, hey, I don't like you in my house because you stress me out and you bother me and you give me all this anxiety. And, you know, you could list off like all of the things that make the person a terrible house guest and why you don't want them there. That might be rude. But if you just state the facts of like, I don't want a house guest, happy to see you if you come stay in a hotel, period, the end. Like you do not owe anybody an explanation. You can share facts and leave it at that. And if they get upset, they get upset. Getting upset is part of life. Like everyone's going to get mad about something here and there. People are going to get mad at you for something regardless. So I say, be honest, share the facts, keep it moving. Movie or TV wreck. So I'm still watching Grace. (laughs) I am at the end of season seven. I just watched the musical episode and that was, that was a struggle to get through. Um, I think the musical episode of Grey's Anatomy is hands down the worst musical episode of any TV show from the time that people were doing musical episodes really ever. Um, Hated it. Hated everything about it. I thought it was so ridiculous. And it just like, it's unfortunate because a lot of them are talented and like can sing, but it just, it was like a very dramatic episode where you're like supposed to be sad. And I like, couldn't be sad because as soon as I was like ready to cry, then somebody would start singing. And I was like, what's happening? Um, 
So it's very uncomfortable. But the movie recommendation to all of the 90s and 2000s kids, I just watched Pixel Perfect recently. And it's still, it's still so cute. It was one of my favorites when I was a kid. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is adorable. But honestly, like the idea that a teenage boy would create this AI of his ideal woman and like fall in love with her when his best friend has been in love with him and he just can't see it. I'm just like this. It's so like, it's so teenage boy, but it's also so deep of like his best friend like goes into this coma and then like how the AI would like find her in her own mind in her depressive state to like it's just it's it's so cute I was like this is really profound like whoever wrote this movie was like really going through something but I thought it was just beautiful and you know a lot of times it's like you loved a movie as a kid and you're like was that good or was I just a child because I like you you know you watch some of the new Disney Channel stuff and you're like is television programming bad today or am I just not a kid anymore and I still maintain that High School Musical and the Cheetah Girls and Wizards of Waverly Place and Hannah Montana, the golden age of Disney Channel, it was not good just because we were children. It was good because it's good. And Pixel Perfect is still good. Okay, bye. Talk next week. I'm not here to sugarcoat I'm sorry about you Too much shelter causes pain Let's just be real honest Things are gonna knock you down Avoidance will not help you out Let's talk it through you, me and you Let's keep it real honest